Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning. This morning we are talking about what is called the Center for Transportation and the Environment and their goal is to build a sustainable transportation ecosystem. And with me this morning, the director of the Midwest office, Eric Bigelow, who is also an engineer with a lot of knowledge and experience with zero emission drivetrain technologies. He spent the last 12 years helping transit agencies deploy zero emission fuel cell and battery electric buses and evaluating experimental means of vehicle propulsion. Good morning, Eric. Good morning. So what is this Center for Transportation and the Environment, or CTE? So uh, CTE is a nonprofit, um, and we got our start about 30 years ago doing uh, some of the earliest um, zero emission or uh, hybrid vehicle powertrains and have been engaged in that uh, since. So as the industry has evolved, you know, the uh, types and kind of vehicles that we work with have evolved, but um, our, our mission and focus uh, has been and will continue to be to support uh, early commercial technologies in um, zero emission vehicles and help get them into the market. So where are you located and how did this all start? So our, our headquarters are in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we have four offices. So uh, I had our office in St. Paul and then we have an office in Berkeley and an office in Los Angeles. Um, we, we got our start originally actually as a response to the um, DARPA, which was the uh, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Um, so 30 years ago, electric vehicles were, uh, or anything with an electric powertrain was, was really cutting edge. And um, we were a regional nonprofit that was set up to uh, manage a number of those um, early stage projects on behalf of the Defense Department. So what are some of the early projects that you've done? I was looking and there was kind of a list of things, uh, talking everything from a hybrid electric Humvee prototype uh, to a first Proterra bus, and I'm not really familiar with what all those are, but if you could talk a little bit about how that has developed through the years. Sure. So um, some of the very earliest uh, vehicles that, that we worked on, also some of the very earliest electrics, um, at least on the uh, uh, on the road were um, a hybrid uh, so Humvee is um, uh, primarily military vehicles so that our early one was able to be one of really the first demonstration vehicles out there ever that could have better hill climbing ability better acceleration and better fuel economy so it was really one of the first um, kind of successful hybrids well, you know, um, what, I wanted to just stop you for a moment because I remember when Humvees came out and I, I always thought of them as these big gas guzzlers because they were so big and everything. So when you say that they're efficient or, you know, run on electricity, I'm just, this, the Humvees that we all had were different than the ones the military had? So there, this, this was a um, kind of a prototype or demonstration program. Mm -hmm. I... I don't know if that was actually ever uh, used by the military because it's oh. a whole separate set of questions if okay. that actually is something that goes into production. But um, at least as far as a demonstration and prototype, it showed that you could kind of 
have all of those things at the same time. Oh, okay. So that was one of the first, and then there was something called the Proterra bus that came out you did in 2008. Yeah, so our, our, um, we had a, a program that we had put together with the founder of Proterra. Um, so this, uh, you know, to turn the clock back 14 years, um, there really weren't, there, there were a few electric buses in operation in San Diego and Chattanooga. Uh, outside of that, though, there really was not a lot of electric bus operation uh, or anything commercial. And Protero is a company that founded to turn that around, saying that, you know, the time is right and the time's now to go ahead and build that. So we partnered with them on a grant program through the Federal uh, Transit Administration to build the prototype. And it uh, that was the foundation for, uh, that was the first vehicle that Protero out and they're now uh, one of the larger um, producers of electric buses in the country. So does CTE or the Center for Transportation and Environment pair with other organizations as you just mentioned to develop these things and you kind of come up with the ideas or do you have the engineers on your staff that that actually do this themselves? So our staff is about half uh, engineers and technical staff Mm -hmm. so we uh, and a lot of, we, we've got uh, different roles in different projects, but a lot of times we are sort of the glue that helps make a uh, project work together. So in that one for uh, Proterra, Proterra was responsible for the vehicle, but um, there was uh, there were a couple different uh, federal grants involved. Um, so there's a grant management piece. Uh, we have to coordinate, this is, you know, early stage prototypes. So um, kind of uh, safety planning and working with the, uh, uh, deployment sites, and then working with the um, uh, federal government, where a fair amount of the supporting funding came from to handle the reporting and documentation requirements. So um, that's sort of a, a mix of kind of uh, technical analysis, technical program management, and um, you know, uh, do, doing our best to make all of the pieces fit together. What are some other things that you have done, Eric, with your organization? Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so we are. We have uh, a few different ways that we support the kind of uh, zero emission industry. So we put on a, a conference every year. Um, this was the largest really zero emission bus focused conference uh, every year. So that'll be in uh, September this year. And really have done, tried to do our best to you know elevate and get different and new technologies and offerings out there and, and use our kind of independent expertise and analysis and to, you know, help, uh, you know, be a third party to say, hey, these work or, hey, this is a great idea or, hey, this maybe this part needs some more work. <laughs> What's been the most difficult part of trying to get these things going? I mean, you do, it sounds like you mostly deal with buses. Is that the case? It, it just see a lot of the stuff in your past history to deal with buses. Has there been any resistance to some of your developments? Um, yeah, occasionally. Um, so, there's always a reasonable argument when something's more expensive. Mm-hmm. So people do wonder, you know, uh, certainly we do that, you know, is this worth it? Why, why is this vehicle so much more expensive? Um, so we certainly hear that. Uh, most people, um, there's not a lot of resistance to, uh, you know, generally speaking, cleaner air and zero lower emissions. Um, we, we certainly do take on the uh, long tailpipe argument pretty frequently, and that's when Someone will say, well, that vehicle is not really zero emission because mm. you have to make the electricity somewhere. So it's a true statement, but um, it's uh, 
not exactly accurate either because, um, you know, the, the vehicles that's producing zero emissions is right where the people are, and typically power plants are further away. And uh, if you look at Minnesota's power generation mix uh, over the last 15 or 20 years, has shifted pretty dramatically from coal um, over to renewables. So as time goes on, the grid gets cleaner, which effectively makes those vehicles cleaner too. Do you have any way of figuring how much maybe zero emissions you have helped by creating some of these electrical transportation systems? <laughs> uh, so I, I think we have that somewhere. I don't know that off the top of my head. I know we've worked in the deployment of in the neighborhood of 300 buses. I, I also like to think we had a helpful part in uh, helping enable the industry to be successful, but we're, we're one piece of that. So, so is it mainly buses then what you're dealing with? Because like I said, it sounds like a lot of it has to do with buses. Yeah, so we've been as a, we've been as a nonprofit that's been around for 30 years. Uh, right now, there's a lot of need and interest in and support for, for how to make buses work. Um, you know, in probably less than 10 years, this will be pretty commercial. And uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll move on to something else. So right now, that is definitely a focus, both in an area that there's, I think, a lot of need for the technical support we can provide and a lot of challenges in how to work, you know, combine the existing operations with uh, the newer vehicles. Um, but, you know, that, that'll, that'll become, that's accelerating towards commercial. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be on to something else because eventually that'll be, uh, that'll be easy. So. And I see, I, if this is still accurate, you're in 42 states across the U.S. So when you say you're in 42 states, what does that exactly mean? Uh, we have projects in, that we've done in almost uh, every state. Okay. So, yeah, so our, most of the work we do, even before the pandemic, was, was fairly remote as we provide support for folks deploying vehicles around the country. Can you give me some examples of some of those other projects, big ones maybe that we might have heard of or maybe not? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, so we, we are had a project working with Duluth on uh, their uh, their electric buses. So those that, that project's wrapped up at this point. I worked with them on kind of the life cycle of getting those vehicles built, commissioned, and supporting them uh, from the data analysis. Um, buses uh, worked with um, Madison, Wisconsin, locally, and then uh, a few other places as, as a subcontractor. So th- those are some of the more local ones. But I think you know we have projects with. Um, transit agencies, large and small, across the country. Uh, that's it. Those ones most likely to be uh, something someone might have heard of, but um, also do a lot of other things. We work in um, supporting build-out of hydrogen infrastructure in California and for both uh, medium uh, or heavy-duty and light-duty stations. And what does that mean? Because hydrogen, I don't really know exactly what hydrogen fueling is, and I see that was a 2015 project. It says, manage the installation and commissioning of more than 19 public light-duty hydrogen stations and three heavy-duty hydrogen stations. What does that operate? What sure. who, op- who uses that? So um, there, if you want a vehicle that's zero emission, somehow you have to supply it with energy from a, from a clean source. Sure. And there's two, two ways to do that today. One is have batteries on board that you recharge, uh, and the other is through what's uh, a device called a hydrogen fuel cell. And, and it's sort of a bit analogous to an engine, except it instead of uh, you know burning fuel, it kind of directly creates electricity. Oh. So you put hydrogen in it, 
and it directly creates electricity. So it's sort of like a self-charging vehicle. So California is kind of leading the way in building out hydrogen infrastructure. But I think especially in the heavy-duty sector, we'll see that um, we'll, we'll see that start to expand. Now, what is heavy-duty? Uh, does that mean trucking, or, or what is that? Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, heavy-duty is you know usually a vehicle over 20,000 pounds, trucks, okay. buses, um, other large vehicles. So is hydrogen uh, difficult to, the using that kind of fuel, is that difficult to make? Is it dangerous? Is I mean, what's the reason maybe we haven't moved more faster or f- more quickly on that? So hydrogen has been in uh, really wide industrial use for gosh, 60 or 70 years. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's the hydrogen is well understood. Uh, the main reason it's not used is it's, right now, it's more expensive, frankly. Oh, <laughs> so... Um, there's a lot of cases where charging, uh, buying and charging a battery electric vehicle even today mm-hmm. is cheaper. And there's just, it's a, there's a lot more grid infrastructure than there is hydrogen production infrastructure to support hydrogen as a fuel. But um, I think that's changing really quickly. There's a number of plants being built and coming online. And that, uh, you know, primarily focused on uh, around the coasts. But I think I think we will see, uh, I think we're going to see that accelerate quickly in the is, next five years. Is that mainly right now just in the East Coast or the West Coast in California? Uh, it's really both coasts. There's um, hydrogen production facilities being uh, sited and built around the country. Um, California and the uh, West Coast, um, Oregon and Washington as well, are... Definitely, definitely a focus, but I, so I, I think we'll see that grow them. So it sounds like a, a big piece of why we aren't maybe moving more toward electric vehicles or the more sustainable transportation is a lot, the, the upfront cost. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's fair, and that's been, uh, it's been true for a while. They, they are, the costs are coming down. You know, this, uh, of course, this next year is probably going to be a st- strange one in a lot of ways for a lot of costs for things and no one's quite sure what anything will cost a year from now but but yeah uh, historically batteries have been pretty expensive and costs have been declining for 20 years and really starting to get to where it's pretty economical and uh, especially when you're considering kind of a lifetime of the vehicle Um, so I think we're within a few years uh, finding more and more cases where you have pretty straightforward answer to say oh wow this uh this electric vehicle is cheaper. I'm going to save money <laughs> instead of, you know, I'm going to buy this electric vehicle because it's better for the environment or something else. We'll, we'll start to find that people switch just because it's cheaper. And I think once that happens and you know someone that you trust that's saving money by buying an electric vehicle, a switch can happen really pretty quickly. All back to the bottom line, isn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, so with gas prices, fuel prices, what they are now, I mean, they're very, very high. And, and I was just wondering if you have noticed any push to for your organization to maybe work on some things to get things out there more quickly because just the, the fuel prices are so high and people are not happy with that. So a lot of it, it definitely uh, definitely sparked a lot of conversation um, to be honest, a lot of the folks that, that we work with, um, I guess these are a lot of early adopters, but folks are really pretty committed in, in the near term already to moving, moving pretty quickly. Again, we work with a lot of medium and heavy duty 
uh, users that have long-range plans that had already started this, but it's it certainly certainly makes the economics easier, un- unfortunately, because I know the gas uh, gas and high diesel prices are uh, are a challenge, but um, it does make uh, make the alternatives sound uh, sound better. Now you said the the costs are getting closer. Or I mean, uh, how much have electric vehicles gone down? The, I mean, and how far away are they from being similar to what people would buy as a regular vehicle or use a regular vehicle? I think we're within. Um, I think we're within a few years of it being a pretty easy mm-hmm. decision for folks. I think for some people, it's already cheaper, sure. uh, depending on your um, electricity and vehicle prices and what you purchase. I think that you can already find cases today where it's uh, cheaper. Um, and I think in a few years, that'll be even uh, even easier. Uh, it also it really does depend on the vehicle type, too. Forklifts, uh, you know, not a common vehicle for anyone to buy, but in <laughs> the forklift world, um, those have been largely hydrogen fueled for oh. uh, a few years. If um, if a if it a if a distribution center has a three shift site, so basically working twenty four hours a day, um, hydrogen f- uh, fuel cell forklifts have been the norm oh. for years because they're cheaper. So again, as soon as they're cheaper. <laughs> People are going to switch over quickly. I did not know that. I did not realize that they were primarily hydrogen fueled. That's interesting. And I assume that it helps with if you're in a, a warehouse or something with those forklifts, keeping the air not so polluted is a, a big plus, too. It does, yeah. So certainly if you're, if you have a, so sometimes you can run propane vehicles inside, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you can't. So the alternative to propane vehicles are battery electric forklifts. And um, in order to, the, the, typically how that worked is you would have one battery per shift, roughly. So you needed a large room with oh. large, expensive batteries, which come along with their own safety problems. Sure. Um, and throughout the shift, as the battery runs down, the forklift runs a little slower, oh. which impacts productivity. And the fuel cell ones are kind of the opposite. So they have the same power throughout the shift. And if you need to refuel, you pull over, um, fill it up, and five minutes later, you're you're back running. So, so that's why they've obviously um, become more popular. Yep, and it's a, and it you know not not for any environmental benefit, just because it's cheaper. So hmm. okay. And as far as what are some of the other things you might be working on now? Because it says you evaluate experimental means of vehicle propulsion. Are there currently things that you're working on that we might not have heard much about? Um, so we always we have a, a group that that leans toward uh, new vehicle and prototype uh, developments, and um, so the nothing um, nothing real wild and crazy. You know, we we do things that are somewhere between sort of the lab and commercial things that are kind of ready to be out on the road. But we do have you know an interesting project where they. Uh, a hybrid inductively charged and hydrogen fueled top loader, which is like a large forklift for a container mm-hmm. uh, to operate at a port. So we work with uh, work with stakeholders and funding and end user stakeholders to manage and put that together. And and what is the benefit of that? Ports have historically some of the worst air quality regions oh. around ports. So there's a lot of interest to find ways to stop burning diesel. Um, in port areas, those are 
historically some of the worst air quality in the country in some of the hardest hit neighborhoods. So there's a a lot of need to figure out new ways to uh, bring zero emission vehicles to the ports. I did not realize that that was an issue, but thank you for clarifying that. What else do you want people to know about the Center for Transportation and the Environment? Well, we, uh, you know, we uh, do the work we can to help make, you know, bring, uh, accelerate a zero emission future and um, also uh, always looking for good folks. So uh, <laughs> feel free to uh, reach out if uh, looking for, uh, uh, if you're interested in the zero emission world. So. so so what kind of jobs would be out there that you've got? Just out of curiosity, we're at a university, so, you know, somebody, one of our students listening might be interested. Who knows? Sure. So we, we do a mix of um, sort of more analytic technical work and more um, less analytic, but kind of project management and helping helping projects be successful. So and we also write a lot of great proposals, which is where a lot of our funding comes from. So usually uh, some 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 reason in there. We don't necessarily need uh, someone with electric vehicle experience, but um, an enthusiasm and, you know, interest in helping uh, helping make these projects work and uh, an enthusiasm for that. Well, I want to thank you for your time and learned a lot of interesting things about what you do at the Center for Transportation and the Environment to build a more sustainable transportation ecosystem. We've been chatting with the director of the Midwest office, Eric Bigelow. We want to thank you for your time, Eric, and all the best to you. Great, Karen. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Every Day Is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union. With two locations in Mankato since 1934, it pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day Is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.